The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike. And we're going to discuss the week that was in All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. But before we get into the action, Mike, what's going on? Doing pretty good, man. It's been a been a feels like it's been a long week, and I just I'm ready for the weekend. Going out of town tomorrow for you know 36 hours, just kind of get out of the city, which I think will be nice, and you know get to rest up my aching old man back. It's been a rough week and a half, two weeks of back pain, but uh, the chiropractor seems to be getting. Uh, making some progress here with the work that we've done on my back so far. I'm feeling, feeling a little better, and hopefully by early next week, I'll be back to normal. Hopefully. Hopefully. Solid. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's the mindset with back pain, is you just hope that it goes away. You never, like, you never really feel comfortable that it's gone. It's like, it's like the end of a horror movie. You defeat the monster, you defeat Jason, you defeat Freddy Krueger, and then you're just like, Oh, it's finally over. Or is it? Bum, bum, bum. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Yeah, you just got to stop sleeping on the Necronomicon. You know, that's just that's I mean, not good for you. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I've been Ash, you know, Ash is a better man than I, stronger than not man than I. He can handle that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for asking. Uh <laughs> It's uh, it's been a nice week. The weather's finally cooled off, so I, I'm not having to get up like crazy early in the morning to go running before work. I can go running after work now, which is nice. So, uh, so that's been really great, and uh, I've been getting out, you know, walking a little bit more. And I, I am having to wear a mask now when I go running because previously, like, there was no one out and about at five thirty in the morning, or maybe there'd be like one person. But I could run around them because it was just them and me and, you know, a whole street. Uh, and now that I'm running later in the day, it's like, OK, I'm running on the greenway and there are people. So it's been a little bit of a change, but it's fine. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's, you know, not a whole lot going on. I, I could I could tell you, like, we're halfway through the fourth season of Star Trek Next Generation. So. Power that gives through. you an idea of, of how quickly we've been moving through that. Um, Hell of a and, show. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. And, you know, I've been struck by how relevant it is to today. Like, it was way ahead of its time in the 80s. So it's, uh, you know, there are episodes dealing with things that are very prescient. So, yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, man. Star Trek has always kind of been like that. It's always kind of been on the forefront of, you know, social issues, technology, like the original Star Trek, like the original communicator looks like a cell phone. So yeah. touch screens and all that jazz. So really well, ostensibly, love... it's a show about anthropology. So it's all about like studying and respecting other cultures and seeking to understand without intervening and, you know, not judging the customs of of different races and thinking that your way is defined as better and you know so so i think it's there's that aspect of it but then there's also just episodes where there's like a a, 
a legal case to decide whether or not data is a person and whether or not he's property. And it just, it was kind of, you know, kind of wild. Um, and the way that they argued and the things that were brought up and just, especially with all the conversation around bodily autonomy and, you know, so there's, there's a lot there. I would encourage anyone who's, who likes sci-fi and hasn't seen the show to go back and watch it because it totally, totally holds up. The first season's a bit of a slog, but you get past that and it just, it gets great. Yeah, it, it's definitely one of those shows, and a lot of shows from that era, the 80s, 90s, they don't really hold up today. Like, I'm a huge fan of Cheers, and there are some jokes in that show that just don't hit <laughs> like they should. Um, a little too, uh, too, too 80s for me. But yeah, definitely, I've always been a Star, Star Trek fan. I went to a Star Trek convention as a kid, so definitely love it. And now live long and prosper, guys. So, uh, Joel, any anything else before we get into our recap? Well, you know who else is a big fan of Star Trek? Cody. And uh, we're going to talk about Cody a little bit later on, so why don't we get into it? The Dynamite That Was. All right, so Dynamite kicked off with a tribute to Road Warrior Animal. Just the quick one slide on the screen, R.I.P., uh, and then we got into the action with Kip Sabian and Miro facing off with Bad Romance, the tag team of Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss. And uh, Miro was making his in-ring debut. No surprise, he got the pinfall, or sorry, the submission victory in that affair. And before everyone had even left the ringside area, Eddie Kingston, in true Eddie Kingston fashion, came out and called out John Moxley, called him a sellout. And Moxley came out to confront Eddie Kingston to promote their match in the main event. Next up, Evil Uno faced off with Hangman Adam Page. Commentary made a point of putting over that Adam Page and Kenny Omega had been offered a tag team match against Uno and Grayson, but Kenny declined to participate, leading to this singles match in which Adam Page got another singles victory. After that, Tony Schiavone interviewed Matt Hardy, or sorry, Matt Jackson, and Matt Jackson continued to heal off. We got the advertised TNT Championship match between Brody Lee and Orange Cassidy, with Brody Lee prevailing and defending his title uh, due to intervention from members of the Dark Order. In the aftermath of that match, we got the return of Cody with a new look and a new attitude, and I'm sure uh, a new view to the championship. After that, Brody Lee cut a promo reacting to Cody's reappearance, and we got a Matt Hardy promo that turned into an Inner Circle promo that turned into an Isaiah Cassidy promo via a Mark Quinn promo. So very confusing segment, but the point is Cassidy will be facing off with Chris Jericho next week. Next up, FTR came out to cut a promo on the best friends who then came out and challenged them to a championship match. And they declined. Next was Thunder Rosa and Hikaru Shida facing off against Diamante and Ivelisse. Hikaru Shida got the victory in that match for her team. And Chris Jericho and MJF had a back and forth promo segment backstage 
leading into the main event between John Moxley and Eddie Kingston for the AEW Championship. Moxley defending his title, getting the victory to close out the show. Mike, what did you think of Dynamite? Stock up, stock down. First off, uh, the unexpected main event of Eddie Kingston versus John Moxley. If you guys didn't hear, um, Lance Archer tested positive for COVID-19. What was the other guy? Ben Cartwright? Ben Carter. Ben Carter. Uh, He tested positive for COVID-19. And there's also been some talks of some non-contracted wrestlers from the September 9th taping of Dynamite have also tested positive for COVID-19. So uh, if this episode maybe felt a little disjointed, the COVID-19 interruption, um, I think, was to blame. But give Eddie Kingston, and this is the first thing I want to talk about in Stock Up, Stock Down, give Eddie Kingston and Moxley a reason, like give them props for giving us a reason to care about this match. And I think AEW got really fortunate that they acknowledged the fact a few weeks ago that Eddie Kingston didn't get eliminated from the Battle Royal because it kind of made sense that if Archer couldn't compete, Eddie Kingston would be the next person in line. So I feel like despite basically losing, God, a main event we were stoked about, the six-man tag match, uh, they did a pretty good job replacing it. And to me, it all started with that promo Eddie Kingston cut after the opening match basically referring to Moxley as the sports entertainer, how he sold his soul to the devil, um, how he's waited 18 years for this. I just, I loved it, man. He is so compelling. And just that little stare down they had made me forget that this match had to be thrown together last second. Joel, what were your, what were your thoughts about that promo and how they handled the main event scene tonight? Yeah, I agree that the show felt really odd, and it particularly felt odd after Cody made his return. Everything through those first six segments felt really good, and then everything after that, up until the main event, felt really just awkward and stilted. And props to Moxley and Kingston for bringing it home and giving us an incredible main event. Uh, Obviously, we knew going into this that Moxley was going to get the win. So what matters is how did both guys look in the match? What was the story that they told? And did they do a good job of elevating both guys through this match? And I think they did. The theme of this match, from my perspective, was punishment. These guys were just beating the hell out of each other. I mean, the the, the chops from Eddie Kingston were like (laughs) thunderclaps every time he connected and by the end of the match both guys chests were just blistered and they really went out and gave the fans a show to replace the match that we were promised and i gotta give them props that was really really well done and i i don't like a match that doesn't have any kind of build-up so i really appreciated that not only did did they do some stuff on social media to prepare everybody so that we knew going into the show that we weren't getting the advertised main event, but they also had that segment very early on after the initial match to let us know, hey, there's some heat here. There's some dislike between these two guys. And even if it's all kayfabe, which I assume it is, it still served the purpose of elevating that main event. I really, really enjoyed this match. And 
they did what they're supposed to do, which is make me forget that I'm watching a match that I already know the outcome of. Yep, exactly. And I think by having the finish that they did, Kingston passing out, not tapping out, not taking a finishing move, uh, he doesn't lose the heat and the, the momentum that he's been building here since he signed his contract and got put into storylines. So a very good job. And I think it, you know, we know that they do their tapings two weeks at a time. Um, they, oh, wait, no, I guess they, do they still do that with the, the, the crowd being back? I don't know. Uh, I, I yeah. think they're still doing that. Um, you would have to look at like the tickets, like, are they selling tickets yeah. for next week or is it, you know, every other week that they're selling tickets? Yeah. For? So I think they still do the every two weeks. So and Archer also said, you'll see me back in two weeks, see you in two weeks. And I wouldn't be surprised, and maybe it already has been announced, but I'm sure we're going to get Moxley and Hobbs versus Lucha Bros. You know, that was a big post-match beatdown with those two. So I wouldn't be surprised if they, they set up this week before Archer back to kind of continue this very mini uh, Agents of Chaos versus Moxley and his crew type of feud. So. so speaking of the post-match, um, I was glad that my dude Willie Hobbs got to come out and have a moment Yep. because I, I felt like that was the biggest loss. Like everyone else involved is pretty well established. So, you know, it wasn't going to hurt them for this match to not happen of the other five competitors. But for Will Hobbs, this was his first big look on Dynamite. So I was glad that he still got to come out and deliver a massive spine buster on Phoenix. But I think in terms of the post-match, the most notable thing was the spear from Ricky Starks that absolutely obliterated Darby Allen. That was nasty. And this whole post-match kerfuffle sets up so many possibilities. And I think it puts over the Agents of Chaos as being a real factor and um, I just I'm really excited for for moving forward. I feel like I say that every episode, but <laughs> it's true. Even on what was a little bit of an odd episode of Dynamite, it didn't feel as cohesive as it normally does. This main event set me home ready for next week, ready for what's coming next. And audience members, if you if you didn't know, we are going to get that Darby Allen, Darby Allen, Ricky Starks match next Wednesday. So get ready for it. It's announced. It's been months in the making. What we thought should have been on the all out card. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a ton of fun. So, Joel, anything about this before we move on to our next topic? Now, let's move on. Um, I do want to throw a bit of a stock down this week. Uh, and the stock down goes to the FTR best friends segment. And I want to be clear that. I thought the segment was good overall, but they employed a pro wrestling trope that I despise. It, it's a very cheap tactic. It feels kind of bullshit to me. And that is the, okay, let's have the championship match right here, right now. Get us a referee. Get everybody out here. Everybody's ready. We're all in our gear. Nah, not yeah. doing it. And I just, I hate that because I feel like it it doesn't, put the heat on the heels because any smart wrestling fan knows that they're not the ones making those decisions anyway. So it really just makes you kind of mad at the company 
for being like, hey, here's this tag team match. And especially on a show where we weren't getting the advertised main event, you know, in pro wrestling, you often get something that's quote unquote better if you miss out on something that was advertised, you know? Yep. So it, it did feel like, oh, wow, they're really pulling out all the stops to make this a big episode of Dynamite and send the people home happy. Only to get that misdirect and be like, okay, no, this match isn't happening right now. Which ultimately, probably a good thing, but the way they did it made me feel cheated. And I don't, I'm not mad at FTR over that. I'm just kind of mad that they, as a company, made that decision. Yeah, it's, I've never liked that, that trope. Uh, I think you've put it pretty perfectly. And I've been to events before where, like, live events are only here for the week where they do that. And then you're like, well, shit, like, thank you for getting me hyped for something that's not going to happen anymore. I just paid money to be here. Like I've, I've never liked it. I think it's cheap. And also like, I just kind of hate this character turn from FTR here the last few weeks about like, I know they're heels and I knew, knew they were heels during the, the hangman page, uh, Kenny feud. But like leading up to that, they wrestled a lot. They were having matches like every other week, if not every week, and putting on great stuff. Like, I want to watch FTR work. I don't want to see them be chicken shit. Like, you can be heels and still compete, you know, on a regular basis. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of not feeling it. Um, it do, that, that whole segment kind of left a, a sour taste in my mouth. And I guess this, this was this brush of greatness. Is that the, if you survive 20 minutes, you get a title match? I do like the 20, like there's the concept of a 20 minute brush with greatness. Um, and I think if they can make that into a thing and really do a good job with it, that could be something that we get really excited about. Everything like that kind of seems silly at the start. Uh, so, you know, I'm willing to keep an open mind with regards to that specific concept, but the whole promo just felt a little bit off. Um, Tully seemed a little off, uh, and, and I really didn't understand that line about we're going to get a check in the win column. Like what? Yeah. Like what does it matter? Why does it matter? Like AEW like, tracks wins and losses. That's the thing that's been going on since the beginning of the company. Yeah. And they talk about the winner's purse and visiting the pay window. Like if he had said something like that in the other wrestling company, if he was managing a tag team over there that would have made sense to me because they don't do that. They actively discourage their audience from keeping track of, you know, whether someone has been winning or losing lately. Uh, but in AEW, it just didn't seem to make sense to me. But, you know, I don't want to dwell on the negativity because I do think the tag team division is in great shape. This segment just really, you know, kind of made me feel a little cheated. I kind of feel like we've taken a little step back and the tag division, or maybe it's more that we had all these high expectations for the tag team division. Once they had a real tag team at the top of it. And, you know, I, I, I was, I just, I haven't felt as stoked about it, even though we've talked about all the great tag team matches, I guess, I guess we got to see how this brush with greatness goes. You know, if it's a way to help them get other teams over by eating occasional L's like Kenny and, and Hangman, I don't think they lost a tag team match with just the two of them, like the last three or four months, they were champions. So this is a way to get some of the other teams over by letting them get W's on the champs and then still having the champs retain. 
maybe maybe there's something something here, but um, we'll have to have to wait and see on that. Anything else, Joel? Before we we move on along? Uh, no, no. Let's let's get on to the next thing. Something I think we're both high on is the return of Cody. Uh, I don't think there's anyone more over in the company. I mean, maybe Orange Cassidy, but Cody seems to still get the biggest reaction. And what a way to make an entrance. New look, wearing all black with a chain and coming out with black hair. And I mean, just a totally different look. What did you think of this? So Cody Rhodes is a huge fan of The Legend of Zelda. A lot of his ring gear and t-shirts have been Zelda inspired. So it makes sense that he comes back as Dark Cody. And <laughs> Cody with dark hair, having looks like a little more edge to him, totally reminds me of Dark Link from all the games from our childhood. So uh, that was my initial thought. Thought, And I'm like, also like, God, we haven't seen him with dark hair since like maybe right at the beginning of his indie run. Because I think he still had the dark hair from his WWE days. So definitely shocking to see him with with dark hair. But I liked I liked the moment. Um, I will say, like, I expected his return to be a, to feel bigger. Did it feel kind of anticlimactic for you or is that just me? So um, it did feel big to me because I didn't think it was real. Uh, you know, what that they was one of those playing, fake outs. They were playing his opening Tron and you know, with the Dark Order in the ring. And there was also a different version. It wasn't the usual video that plays on the screen. It was something new. So I was like, what's, you know, what's this that's going on here? It doesn't seem quite right. Uh, and, you know, and Brody had just won the match. And, you know, so I wasn't sure exactly what to expect. And then we got this new version of Cody. And I think it wouldn't have felt like a big deal if Cody had come out in his gear that he's been wearing with the blonde hair and or if he had come out in, you know, one of the the suits that we're accustomed to seeing him in because it would have been like, OK, Cody's back. Welcome back, Cody. But this was like, oh, brand new Cody. What's going to happen? Where is this going to go? How is he going to wrestle differently in the ring? Because, you know, he's going to wrestle differently with mm -hmm. a new persona. He's that kind of storytelling wrestler. So it did feel like a big deal to me, uh, not necessarily because of the placement, uh, but just the whole package. Yeah, I guess I imagine this being like an end of show segment that the show ends with a Cody standing over some beaten down members of the Dark Order, not at the end of a random championship match with Orange Cassidy, which don't get me wrong. I'm glad Cassidy was in that spot. And I thought he had an excellent showing in this match. Absolutely. But it seems like this was something that should have been involved with coming in, saving Dustin, saving QT Marshall. But I don't usually take cues from merchandise, but Cody has this shirt and it based like they're selling it for the only 24 hours. Good, good marketing by them, by the way. But it's called the Death of Cody shirt. It's the American Nightmare logo, all red. It's the same logo they flashed up on the Titantron last night. So there does seem to be a massive shift in character here, which we talked about leading up to the end of his title reign that, you know, Cody's been acting differently. The strain and pressure of these challenges have seemed to be weighing on him. So 
if this is our kind of anti-hero or maybe a little morally ambiguous uh, Cody, then I'm all for it. I'm excited to see where it goes. That should be our first T-shirt, by the way. I'm excited to see where it goes. I feel like we both say that at least once a week. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. When we get to the point where we can start having merch, that's uh, that'll definitely be one of the options. Um, now, I think you well, make yeah. a great point there, and I think the fact that this is a new Cody, and presumably having a new attitude, new focus, new goals, new drives makes sense that he wouldn't be coming out to save Dustin or QT or even Brandy, because that's not what he's focused on right now. He is focused on revenge. Didn't have anything to do with saving Orange Cassidy. He wasn't there to save Orange Cassidy. He was there to attack the Dark Order and bring war to them. So I think that really fits. And I think it was a good thing that it was someone he doesn't have a connection to who is getting beaten down because it takes the focus off of Babyface making a rescue and puts it on here's this new character who's coming out seeking revenge for the brutal beatdown that he received at the hands of the exalted one. So I'm I'm here for it. My uh my favorite tweet that I've seen so far is Cody interacted with uh the symbiotes, some symbiotes or whatever from Spider-Man that he's now Venom Cody. Um <laughs> which which I'm all for. So uh yeah, it's it's nice to have Cody back. I feel like his he couldn't he he's like you mentioned, he's one of the most popular people in the company. He's been an anchor for them throughout the last year. And you really you it doesn't it wouldn't feel like AEW if Cody was gone for a long, long time. So glad to have Cody back, glad to have the franchise back, the franchise player of AEW. And yeah, I'm stoked. Anything else about this? Do you want, or do you want to just go straight into lightning rounds? So I do have, I have one question I want to throw out because I was oh, okay. asking Let's myself go. this question watching last night. Did five weeks feel like long enough? I th- I think so. I think I think the general expectation from fans is that he'd be back at all out, and I was one of those. Like I was truly surprised that he wasn't back at all out. And unless like, like wrestling injuries, when they say, unless it's a legit injury, they don't stay away that long unless they're giving him time off. Like, like a nice long, like, you know, Charlotte will have an injury angle where she's gone for like two months, three months. Like this never felt like that. And maybe, you know, my thoughts about the TV show announcement was, you know, I didn't like it, but you know, maybe they, people thought it'd be longer now that he was filming this TV show. Like, I don't even, has this TV show even debuted? No. Yeah. So like maybe it was a way to shift expectations to think he'd be gone longer. And also was this a reaction to the COVID outbreak that they had? Cause Cody tweet, you know, he does that message community thing and he messaged like when the news broke of the match, not happening, like an Apple map of him, the time to get from Macon, Georgia to daily spice, which we know, we know he was in Daly's place all the like the entire time. Like he didn't wasn't not involved with the production. But, you know, could it have been a reaction to that? So to answer your question, I think it's fine. I think I think it was about time we got Cody back. Um I, so it doesn't really bug me that it was only five, six weeks. Cool. That's kind of where I landed as well. Let's get into lightning round. 
lightning round. Orange Cassidy versus uh, Brody Lee. Awesomely fun match. And they put Cassidy over like a conquering hero because he they had to cheat multiple times to try and get that win. Uh, he got some crazy offense on Brody Lee. And yeah, I was a little nervous that this random title match feeding him to the, the monster that is at Brody Lee would be a negative, but it ended up working out really well. And I'm really excited for basically main event player, Orange Cassidy. Absolutely. I, my main takeaway from this match is that we got the return of original Orange Cassidy hands in pockets and, you know, kind of trying to duck moves instead of countering them directly and i thought it was a really well worked match and kind of an intermediary between what we saw in his first matches in the company and what we had seen from him during his run against jericho uh great stuff i wanted to talk about the singles match between evil uno and adam page this was probably my favorite match of the night um, I thought the commentary was really, really good. I'm enjoying having Kenny on the mic during these Adam Page matches and having Page periodically look over at the commentary area and kind of, you know, get a smile on his face if he's doing well or, you know, maybe chuckle a little bit. I- I'm enjoying the story that they're telling with these two. And I thought it was a great showcase for Evil Uno, who plays his character absolutely to the hilt yeah he's he is a very versatile piece that the company can use and they even mentioned that in commentary how he's the mouthpiece of the dark order he's a tag team wrestler he's a singles wrestler um and i just think it's it was a good position and i really enjoyed once again kind of dickhead kenny on commentary (laughs) um i don't necessarily think that kenny should be on commentary all the time but if he just keeps coming out and kind of trolling uh, Adam Page throughout his match, I think I think that's a good use of him. And I also want to say Adam Page looks like revitalized. <laughs> like there seems to be more pep in his step. I don't know if that's just part of the story or maybe just being back in singles mode is, is doing that for him um, or just he's not relying on being drunk 24-7 so he's able to live his best life. I don't know, but it's wonderful and I'm loving uh, Mr. Adam Page right now. My next item will be Matt Jackson being a dickhead. (laughs) 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 Like, like he was just a condescending prick in that entire interview with Tony and then just yeets his phone against the wall and destroys it. Like it's, I like, I like these, these bucks. I think, their level of dickhead is different than Kenny's level of dickhead. Um, so I'm kind of curious of, of where they're going here. Joel, I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, <laughs> but I, I think, I think this is, we, 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 we talk about like what a wrestler's best character is like their best stuff. They do character wise. And I think the bucks as these arrogant cocky heels is the best version of them. Yeah, I agree. I think my favorite thing from this segment was when Matt went to put the money in Tony's pocket so that he could buy himself a new phone. And he's like, oh, hmm, not a real pocket, is it? And then he just kind of throws the money up in the air and goes back into his locker room. It's just so funny. 
And that felt totally improvised. Like mm-hmm. his plan was just to stuff the money in Tony's pocket and then go back in the locker room. But it's actually not a real pocket. So you had to come up with something off the fly. But I, I love that segment. I've been enjoying everything the Bucks are doing. And I think what's great about it is these are short segments that don't take up ring time. So other people are able to get into the ring and wrestle. Next time we see the Bucks wrestle, it will have been a while and it's going to feel like a treat. Like, oh, the Bucks are back in the ring. This is a big deal. Because at this point, if they wrestle next week, they'll have had three weeks off. So yeah, that's a big deal. Definitely, definitely. And we kind of we're having this transition of all the original elite members characters right now. It's really exciting. Well, we got an excellent match in the women's division between Thunder Rosa and Hikaru Shida taking on Diamante and Ivelisse. I was a little surprised that Diamante and Ivelisse didn't find a way to get the win, considering they are the actual tag team and they've kind of been putting that over. Uh, I was expecting to have a little bit of a, a, a breakdown between Rosa and Sheeta. And we even saw them, you know, have the Moro Ronaldo malfunction at the junction. But uh, they were able to overcome that and uh, and move on. Really good match. And just so impressed with how powerful these four women are and their strength and ability to quickly string together moves in a way that you don't see as much in the women's division in AEW from other competitors. They really put on a clinic and I was very, very impressed. Yeah. Uh, I almost gave this a stock down, not because of the match. The match itself was fantastic, but it goes to the point of Diamante and Ivelisse taking the L here. Um, Ivelisse and Diamante were one of the best storylines in not just the women's division, but them going and winning the tag team tournament. And then they just kind of weren't doing much. And then they, uh, Ivelisse ate the L last week and Ivelisse and Diamante ate the L this week. Uh, I thought it would have been a good way to get them over. Cause we, we know tag team division losses are separate from singles divisions losses. I thought Sheeta and Thunder Rosa could have taken the L here to further establish technically, you know, only the, those two women are assigned to AEW, Ivelisse and Diamante, while Thunder Rosa isn't. So I think it was a, an opportunity missed to put those two over even more without damaging the two champions. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but, you know, again, we don't know what's going on down the line. Um, yep. So if if there's not more Thunder Rosa and Sheeta stuff on the schedule, it doesn't really make too much sense for both of those champions to lose unless it's going to set up them facing off again, um, which I would like to see, but I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if that's possible. Well, I kind of think, and I know we're kind of breaking our lightning rule here, but I kind of would love to see this feud between these two groups of women continue to the point where one night we get uh, Sheeta defending against Ivelisse and Thunder Rosa defending against Diamante, and we get like double championship matches um, and let those four women cook because they're probably what? four of the top six or seven women in the company healthy yeah, right I, now. I would agree with that. Especially like, if, you, if you put the stipulation like healthy and available. Yeah. Like, so I, we might as well showcase them. So I don't know if this is the end of these four women interacting. I hope it's not because from what we saw tonight, when what you saw last week with under Rosa and Ivelisse, like these are, this is a good pairing in terms of 
talent, fit, and star power. For sure. What else you got? Miro, baby. What a ripped, jacked beast. Holy crap. <laughs> like, I like the shorts. I like the yeah, shorts. Yeah, it's a good look for him. Um, I liked I liked the way that they, him and Kip worked together. And I, I what I'm liking about their team, their their partnership so far, is I don't know which one is trying to put the other one over, which is good. Like, like Kip coming in and doing the awesome, like, he's not my best man. He's not your best man. He's the best man. And then Miro helping Kip look strong, helping Kip get the W here. And then also Miro getting the submission. Like, like I thought it was going to be like, oh, Miro's the bodyguard and Kip's the cocky talker. And maybe that's going to be it. But I feel like both guys are really benefiting from this combination. And very, very good match with Sonny Kiss and Joey Janela. Uh, my favorite match of the night, actually. I really enjoyed this match. Yeah, I really enjoyed uh, Joey Janela uh, briefly cutting a promo about it. And uh, it's this odd pairing of Kip Sabian and Miro is, is definitely working for me. And Miro just looks like he took Super Soldier Serum. Like, yeah, his physique is ridiculous right now. I don't ever remember him looking this good in the other wrestling company. And like he, he just, maybe it's just being around AEW guys who are smaller and maybe not as physically impressive, but he looks great. Love what they're doing here. And so glad. And I love the name of, did you, do you know, is JR called the finisher, the accolade? And they're like, no, 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 it's the game over. Um, yeah, because, I didn't catch that. Because accolade is, I'm assuming would be trademarked by WWE at some point. So um, yeah, I, I just like the leaning into the Twitch stuff that they do. And yeah, love, love me some Miro and AEW, man. Speaking of uh, trademark copyright infringement uh, and the other wrestling company, did you see the whole thing about them using a silhouette of Tessa Blanchard in uh, WWE Battlegrounds? the new video game Tessa Blanchard's in that video game. She's not, but there's like a, there's like a, a segment that it's like a tutorial explaining one of the game modes. Yeah. And one of the screens in that tutorial, uh, someone put a side by side of an image of Tessa Blanchard posing after a match. And it's identical. Fun. <laughs> yeah the um, photographer who took the picture of tessa uh posted about it on twitter and was like hey wwe care to explain why you used this oh, wow. picture without my permission i'm looking at it right now like even the way that the her hair goes down her chest mm-hmm. wow no, I- it's clear that they took that picture <laughs> and turned it into a silhouette and thought they could hide it in this game. Like we don't all have the internet. Yeah. Wrestling fans are too smart, <laughs> not smart, too annoying. Too like, obsessed. They, yes. Too obsessed. That's the word. Fuck off. WWE. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just lazy. It just, it's just, you know, alter it a little bit, but you yeah, know. that would get, that would get you suspended from art school. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is plagiarism. Oh. Um, <laughs> anyway, got anything else in lightning round? No, man, I think I'm good. I think we've talked about I, everything I wanted to touch on. 
I got I got I got two things real quick. Uh awesome for Isaiah Cassidy to get that spot and private party in general for cutting those promos. Hell yeah, talk Ca- up to them. Yeah, Isaiah Cassidy, Chris Jericho next week should be a lot of fun. And I think this is just another opportunity for Jericho to put a young guy over. Uh, because we know whether they'll have a tag match again at some point and they can get their win back. So I fully expect Cassidy to pull the upset. And a little annoying thing. So is it is it Dasha who does the backstage interviews? Uh, typically, yeah. Okay. This isn't a knock on her. This is just a knock on the segment. But when she was interviewing Jericho and then MJF came up, what's the point of having a microphone if they're already mic'd up and they don't have to move closer to the mic? Mike Lilly was just in the middle of them, never like shifting back and forth to either one of them like you normally see with an interview. If you're going to do a backstage confrontation, just have them bump into each other because we know they're mic'd up anyways. It just looked really weird and it made Dasha look awkward because she was just standing there with the mic and then they just basically ignored her and ignored the mic in her hand. Yeah, I did notice that when I was watching live, like, oh, Dasha's just still standing there. But I I do think it kind of works for their characters because, you know, their egos both are so big that it wasn't possible for Dasha to, you know, work her way in because they were just going back and forth. And and given what their characters are, I thought it was fine. But I, I guess get it's what more from saying. like the audio side of things. Like they sh- it worked just fine with the characters, but the audio shouldn't sound crystal clear. <laughs> like it shouldn't, it shouldn't sound as good as it did. Like if we are assuming that there's a microphone segment that they have to speak into the microphone then them not and it's still sounding the same i don't know it, i'm becoming a borderline audio nerd from all this bullshit i have to do for this every week so it just really it really bugs me that and that that's my last item uh guys thank you once again you can find us on facebook and instagram at the other wrestling show twitter at ows underscore pod you can find joel at the other joel you can find me at michael underscore aranda you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're an Android guy like me, you can get us on pretty much any of the podcasting tools in the Play Store. Please rate, review, subscribe. It will really help us out. Uh, you can find all of our social media information on our Twitter page. And yeah, good, good timing here, Joel. Anything to add before we... Just if there's anything that you want us to talk about on the show, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know. Um, We're more than happy to include suggestions from our listeners. So uh, if you've got an idea for something you would like to hear our thoughts on, hit us up. All right, guys. So we'll see you here next week. And Joel, I'm going to see your line this week. It's a good time to join the Dark Order. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling.